Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. All right, all right. Okay. All right, all right. Just in case you didn't know, I just want to, you know, put everybody at ease that it's okay to have fun in church. Okay, just making sure I'm talking to the right people. All right, so listen, next week, uh, today is the end of our new tradition series that we've been doing. Uh, Traditions are great. Traditions are fun, right? I think the best traditions are the ones that you get to be a part of starting and with people that are kind of fun to start a tradition with anyway. And, uh, and so, you know, Christmas at Convo is a new tradition. You were not doing this last year. Uh, actually, I, neither was I. I wasn't doing this last year. We are a church that is, what, today, 15 weeks? 15 weeks old today, give or take. Three months today. If you're, if you're, a, if you're a mother with a small child, then you could have done that math very easily. How old is your child? 75 weeks old. I never, I have three kids. I never knew when it transitioned over from like, weeks to months to, okay, now it's a year. Anyway, sorry, I got distracted. Uh, But yeah, three months today, and uh, it's super special. This is our first Christmas together, our first Christmas with you. And uh, I know on behalf of my wife and myself and our three kids, uh, we do wanna give a heartfelt Merry Christmas to everybody. And uh, we're excited about this being the first of many Christmas at Convo traditions to come. We are so, I wanna give a huge shout out to uh, to just our dream team is so stinking amazing. Can we clap for our dream team? We love those guys. And uh, just every single week coming in here, and uh, this school does not normally look like this. I don't know if you, you know, thought of that or not, but our team comes in here every single week, pulls church out of a trailer, boom, makes all this stuff happen. Give a huge shout out uh, to Matt and Kate McDowell for that art display. Was that not incredible? I just thought they were finger painting with glue and all of a sudden, boom, it's the nativity scene. You're like, how did that even, how did that happen? But they're so talented. We love those guys. We love our team. And uh, we're grateful for the people that we get to do life together with. And, uh, and we would actually love to add you to that as well. We are always looking to grow our team. And our dream team is really where it's at when it comes to this church because it's us getting to do community together and being able to reach more people together, be able to love people, be able to do things for our city. And uh, we know that it's only the beginning. Now next week, even though it's the last week of the year, I'm actually starting a new series next week that's gonna be kind of prepping and leading into the new year. It's called Living My Best Life. Come on now, somebody. <laughs> I'm living my best life. Okay, anyway, <laughs> focus. Uh, but today, I'm not doing that yet. So today, we're wrapping up the new tradition uh, if you're taking notes, I always encourage our people, take notes, whether it's in a journal, whether it's on your phone, on your notes app, because what we talk about here, we're not just checking traditional boxes, we're not just reading the story of the baby Jesus and having candy canes and going home. We believe that what we talk about on Sundays is going to impact your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, hopefully all the way to Saturday. You know, whether you make it here next week feeling great or whether you make it here next week because you barely made it, you know, I was with family, you don't even know, I was with other family, I just don't want to do that again until next year. You're doing your best. Uh, but we want to give you something that's going to be applicable to your life. And to all of my convo kids that are in here today, I want you to know so much that Jesus loves you 
and that God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and that what baby Jesus did a long, long time ago was to create something that would be special for your life, and we're going to talk about that today as well. So I'm going to open up. Um, I know it's a little bit of a geeky pastor thing to do, but I just got a new Bible, and I'm really excited about it. This is the first time I'm going to preach from my new Bible. Okay. Anyway, yeah, thank you. Thanks for that. All right, Luke chapter 2, and uh, I'm going to read, and this, this is the, this is, kind of one of the main Christmas stories that does get uh, read this time of year. And I'm going to read it to you. It's in Luke chapter 2. And uh, starting in verse 1, it says, At the time the Roman emperor, or at that time the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. And this was the first census taken when Quirinius, thank you, was governor of Syria. I think they put that in there, the author did, just to say this is a historical moment. It's not just some fictional story. There's, it actually connects with a historical time. It says, all, uh, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census, and because Joseph, anybody recognize that name, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, whom he was engaged and who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. It's go time. And Jesus gave, I'm sorry, and she, no, she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, somebody say that night. That night. Oh, that was really good. That got me excited for a second. Okay, that night. There were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified, as I would have been also. It says, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news. Come on, God came to bring you good news. God didn't come to scare you into heaven, he came to bring you good news. That will bring great joy to some people. I'm just checking, just checking, I know. To all people, I love that. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger with a halo over his head. I'm sorry, I threw that last part in there. Suddenly, here's another suddenly. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom with, with whom God is pleased. And then the angels returned to heaven. Isn't that cool? That's, let's not look past that. That means that they stepped out of heaven to make this announcement. They, it was so, such a big deal. They're like, heaven's great. Like while we're in heaven, our job, our existence as angels is to be in heaven. And do, but they actually stepped out of heaven to come and give this message. I love that. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told. So they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was little eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told Everyone, listen to this. This is a big deal. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. And then I love this little line here. It says, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. 
So the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. There's so much amazing things going on in this particular story about the birth of Jesus. Now to all my kids in here, how many of y'all are excited about Christmas morning? Are you excited? Yes, got a head nod. Now for the parents, how many of y'all are excited about Christmas morning? Wow. Now kids, I think your parents are actually more excited about Christmas than you are. How is that even possible? That's okay. That's a good thing, though. That means everybody's excited. So I know, I know for me, I can't wait for Christmas morning. There's, there's something very special about that day, and there, obviously there should be. But there, there's something that, that if, if you miss the specialness of Christmas morning, it's almost as if you have to choose to ignore it. And, and I know a lot of people can have things going on that make this time of year difficult. And that's okay. That's we're here to encourage you. We're here to try to point your eyes back to Jesus as the, the reason for the season. But for me, I remember as a child getting up uh, on Christmas morning. And it was always special. And, uh, and so Christmas Eve, you know, we're, before you go to bed on Christmas Eve, my parents are like, you got to get to bed early. You got to get to bed early because if you don't, you know, Santa's not going to come if you're awake. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to mess that up. I better get to sleep. So I'd go and my sister and I would check our stockings, make sure everything was, was ready. We'd peek just to see if there's anything in there. Never was. And so we're checking. And so we, we go, we make sure the tree is all lit up, you know, because normally my parents would turn the tree lights off when you go to bed because that's probably the safe thing to do. But not on Christmas Eve. We led that thing on all night long. And so we would make sure we had our, we had our cookies and we got a fresh glass of milk and we, went and we put that right on our fireplace, which actually was a wood stove. Never quite figured that whole thing out. Uh, right next to that. And so we went to bed. And so we would go to bed and then the next morning, earlier than we ever should and other than that day, earlier than we would ever want to, we would get up and we would go straight down and for whatever reason, the, the tree that the night before was just lit and had nothing there, all of a sudden there's, there's presents around this tree. We're like, oh my gosh, how'd this happen? And we, we go downstairs and, and what, where it used to be empty, just these stockings hanging, all of a sudden it's filled with little treats and, and lots of candy and, and some fruit because for whatever reason in my house, Santa thought it was important to throw some fruit in the stocking. And so, okay, he's trying to balance out, trying to balance out the candy situation. But, but it, was, it was such a magical time uh, that I always remember with my sister. And then we would go, we would wake up our parents, and I never could understand for the life of me why my parents were so tired on Christmas morning, just exhausted. So we would finally pull them out of bed, and they would finally come down. We had a rule in our house. I don't know if have, how many of you have some, uh, Christmas morning rules. Come on, there's procedures now. It's not just anarchy. There, this is the birth of Christ, okay? And, uh, and so there, our, our rule was you could hit the stockings first. Thank you. Man, I'm about to preach. Y'all are getting me, we're getting an agreement right now. Anyway, so you could hit the stockings first, but, you know, the gifts had to wait until mom and dad were out of a coma. And so, but the first thing we would do is after we would hit the stockings, uh, my parents would always make sure, all right, we're going to sit down for a second as we're enjoying the stockings not looking past the stockings to get, you know, to the main event. And let's remember why we do this. And we would talk about Jesus. And we would talk about how uh, even though we, we receive presents because it's kind of a representation and, yeah, it's been commercialized. I get it, all that stuff. But it's still, it's a, it's a representation that a gift was given on that morning that we celebrate on that morning that would change all humanity. God didn't come on Christmas morning to bring, this is I think the third time I've said this today, but it, it begs repeating. He didn't create Christmas morning for us to celebrate religion. He created Christmas morning because it instituted a brand new relationship. An opportunity 
kids, for you to have a relationship with God, the exact same relationship that grown-ups can have with God. To be able to have the very same Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Did you know there's no junior Holy Spirit? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. When it comes to kids loving Jesus and hearing about God and learning that even at a young age, your life has purpose. When you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and makes his home inside of our kids as well. Which, if you really think about that, means that maybe we shouldn't always be dumbing down the relationship with God that our kids have because I've seen kids lay hands on the sick and seen the sick recover when I've seen adults struggle because we can't get past our mind and our thoughts and our analytical, like, is this possible? Should I, should I, am I good enough? Kids are just like, in the name of Jesus, boom, and you're healed. Like, so, okay, there's our new prayer team. Anyway, (laughs) Christmas makes you expectant to receive something. And I don't just mean in a selfish way, like, yeah, it's a time of year where it's time for me to make my list of 150 things. And, and uh, you can, you know, you can make lists on Amazon now, just make a wish list on Amazon and send it out to everybody. Did you know that? It's wonderful and horrible all at the same time. <laughs> but Christmas, it should make you want to expect something because there's something in the air that I believe is God ordained that makes this season something about us remembering that God wants us to receive something. God does want us to receive something. Now, There's something that I feel like Luke chapter two, there's one little thing that I wanna pick out that I believe that God wants every single person to receive and that's this word peace. Peace. Some of y'all holding your kids right now thinking, man, I wish I had a little bit of that right now. Some peace and your kids are absolutely loving this. They're in big church today. But I'm not talking about the peace where you wanna lock yourself in the closet, plug your ears and just be like, can I just have one moment of peace? Or this isn't me, I mean, this would never be me, but for you, if you were to sneak into your bathroom so that you can pull out your phone and play Candy Crush just for five minutes, just give me five minutes. Why are my kids knocking on the door of the bathroom? They never wanna talk to me all day. Why are they talking to me now? Anyway, that's not the type of peace that I'm talking about. I don't know why I said that. That was a little bit too much of a confession. Anyway. Guys, listen to this. Jesus on earth meant peace on earth. Jesus on earth meant peace on earth. And it's a, Jesus coming in, it was a new type of peace. It wasn't the peace that we try to fabricate. It wasn't the peace that, you know, uh, well, you know, it's just, it's momentary. No, it was something supernatural. Now, over 700 years before Christmas happened or before Jesus was born, there's this guy in the Old Testament 700 years before named Isaiah. And he prophesied this in Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. He says, for a child is born to us and a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. So now, about, I don't know about you, like when I read certain words, um, I, I realize like the word peace. If we went around, we're like, everybody write down your definition of peace. We might get like four or 500 definitions because some of y'all would write down different ones because you're not exactly sure. So I looked it up just so that we could be smart. So the dictionary defines peace as freedom from disturbance, quiet and tranquility. Wow, that's, that's special. And another definition there says freedom from or cessation of war and violence. Now we can take that to the extreme of what we see in the world around us and war and violence, but why don't we just put that into our homes because our, our homes have war and violence, don't they? It's true, some more than others, uh, some more tragic than others, some it's just like, man, life is just crazy right now. But God wants to actually bring peace into that. Now, that definition, honestly, as I think about Christ and I think about what he does, that definition didn't really do it for me because I cannot imagine a natural world where we are just free from disturbance. Guess what? You are never gonna have life that is free from disturbance. 
Now, there's good news coming behind that, but I want to kind of set the, the even playing field. So I created what I think is a more of a Jesus-infused definition of peace. This is what I put together. Freedom from fear. Unshakable faith in the midst of all hell breaking loose. You know what that tells me? That tells me that having Jesus' peace in my life doesn't mean that all the craziness disappears, doesn't mean that all the strife and all the drama goes away. It means that in the midst of that, I've got something that is bringing tranquility into my spirit, something into my mind that allows me to not just get through these moments, but actually thrive through these moments. Peace is not the absence, it's the supernatural presence of Jesus in the midst of everything that he can. You can have a crazy life and still have a stress-free life. I don't, I don't say that lightly because that's something I need to work on in my own life. Like, it doesn't seem like it makes sense. But that's why Jesus came into the picture. When the angels told these shepherds that, that Jesus being born meant peace on earth for those with whom God is well pleased. I'm like, okay, all right, I got the first part, peace on earth. That's awesome. Usually the decorations that we make only say that first part, peace on earth. But there's another section after that, with whom God is well pleased. So is God pleased with me? I don't know. I've been doing some stuff. I've been acting some ways. I've been saying some stuff. I've been, my attitude hasn't been. I don't know if I'm going to have peace because I don't know if God is pleased with me. But let me give you a scripture that actually lays it out a little bit easier. that allows you to, to find that place of peace. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, it is impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to him must, two things here, believe that he exists It's not good enough to stop here. The Bible says even the demons of hell believe that God exists. But we must believe that he exists and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. What does he reward them with? One of the things is peace. Believe that God is real, but also believe that he has a desire to reward you as you pursue God. This isn't about as you are perfect towards God, as you never ever sin again towards God, as you do everything right all the time, everything's, no, it's not about that. You are pursuing God and he is rewarding those who seek him. Now check this out, the, uh, peace isn't, since it sometimes can be a little bit intangible, peace, uh, Philippians 4, 7, it says, you will experience God's peace that exceeds anything that we can understand. That tells me that I shouldn't, that means that maybe I shouldn't have, like in a natural sense, maybe I shouldn't have peace about what's going on, but I do. How do I have peace? Because God's doing something inside of you that is beyond your understanding of the moment. It's bigger than the moment. You know, I, I, you know, there's some stuff going on at work. I don't even know if by the end of the year I'm going to have a job, but I, I'm not freaking out about it. I don't know why. Well, that's because God's got something going on. That's because God's in control and you can trust him. At the end of the day, the peace that comes from God is not a natural thing. Having God's peace in your life means that your soul, which the faculties of your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions, is at rest even when everything looks like it's falling apart. Jesus on earth means peace on earth. Babe, you wanna come back up? Hop on the keys, I'm gonna wrap this thing up here. It is so fast, it's going by so fast. That's why we're doing this short service today. Your faith can't be in your job because your job can't produce peace. Your faith can't be in another person because another person will let you down, even the ones that love you the most. People who love you can still let you down. It doesn't mean they stop loving you. It just means that that shouldn't be your source of peace. Your faith can't be in possessions because they're here today, they're gone tomorrow. Your faith can't be in people's opinions. Well, just because it's people's opinions. 
When your faith is unshakable, your peace can be unshakable. Check this last verse out. I'm gonna wrap this up right here. First John chapter four. I'm gonna read verses 16 and 18. It says this. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. Check this out. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Again, faith in Jesus doesn't mean that everything goes away that's troubling. It just means that all of a sudden now, because of Jesus inside of you, there is a peace that allows you to not just get through those moments, but to thrive through those moments. So this Christmas season, just as the shepherds did, I encourage every single one of you, tomorrow, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, maybe you got family coming in afterwards or you're going somewhere, but seek out the Prince of Peace. He's got the goods. That's why it's his name, the Prince of Peace. He's in charge of peace. He, is, he doesn't have a limited supply of peace to distribute. He's got it all. But seek him out. Seek out the Savior. Come on, seek out the Messiah this Christmas. Seek out the Lord. And I encourage you, if you have kids that are with you when you're going through the, the traditions of what you do as a family for Christmas, take the moments, even if it's brief, to remind them of why we do what we do during this season that this is a time to receive, but we're trying to receive something supernatural that God wants to give us that's gonna allow us to walk in our purpose. He came into this world to pursue a relationship with you. Can I pray for you? Go ahead and bow your heads, everyone, if you will. Close your eyes, nobody looking around. I say all the time that what we do as far as the relationship with God and the things that God desires to give us you know, God doesn't just stand up in heaven like just, just throwing all these things out there because as I've said, he wants a relationship with you. When you pursue a relationship with God, it begins to unlock some of these things that, that God desires for you to have. <clears throat> like forgiveness, like freedom from your past, health in your relationships, healing in your relationships, healing in your marriages, healing in your body, peace in your life, even if all hell is breaking loose but it has to start somewhere. If you're wondering maybe in your life, man, how come I can't tap into some of these things that, that, that I see in the Bible or I hear Pastor Craig talking about or I hear others talking about, have, I would say, has it started yet? Have you started yet a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because once you say yes to that moment, what happens is you begin to open up your heart to what God wants to do in your life. And I'm telling you, God's plans for you are not to harm you. God's plans are to give you a hope and a future. God's plans for you are not to, to, to hold you down and to make you do a life of things that you don't think are fun and, and to remove all the fun of your life. No, it says that, that God's plans for your life are good, pleasing, and perfect. Fun actually begins to become unlocked when your identity becomes unlocked and who you are through Christ. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.